Turn very quickly in our Bibles uh, to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians in the first chapter, Colossians chapter 1. And look with me in verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul, of course, is writing this from a prison cell. He's writing to a church that he had never personally been there. Best we know, he had not been there. He didn't start the church there. Some think that from the Bible Institute that was in Ephesus, that they had traveled over and possibly started the church there. But he writes to them in verses 5 and 6, and he states this. He says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. So here we see from this passage, these two verses, three things that the gospel brings. All right? Three things that the gospel brings. I want to share with you about you those three things today. Father, bless us now as we look into your word for your glory and praise. Thank you that you are a good and faithful God. Thank you that you use all things for your glory and for your praise. Lord, help us to trust you more and more, to serve you more and more with all our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Notice the first thing that the gospel brings in verse number five. What is it? For the hope which is laid up before you, right? The gospel brings hope. Paul wrote of those over in Ephesians chapter 2 that they were without God, that they were without Christ, that they had what? No hope. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ, my friend, there is no hope. We had a secular refugee center there in Ukraine contact one of our pastors. This center had 450 refugees. These would be some of those that were displaced from their homes. Uh, They've moved away from the most dangerous areas of the war, and now they're refugees without a home living at a state-sponsored refugee center. This director came to our pastor, and he said, Listen, these people have no hope. These refugees, they have no hope. And basically what he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't care what you teach. I know it might contradict what the Orthodox Church teaches, but I don't care. Do you have a message of hope that you can bring to these people? Do we have a message of hope? Yeah, we have a living hope, right? We have Jesus Christ. He defeated death from the grave. He is alive. We have a God who has promised us eternal life through the death of his son. We have hope. But so many in the world today are without that hope, and they've never heard of the hope of Christ. I'm amazed as I traveled. The Lord allowed us to uh, go into the country of Tajikistan, and we took some of our students from SBI. In fact, we have a couple of men praying about going there, and the war has kind of hindered things there right now, uh, not to mention COVID before that. But when we were there, do you know in Tajikistan they estimate that 99% of the people in Tajikistan are considered unreached with the gospel. What's that mean, unreached? That means they have no potential to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not a church. There's not a Christian. 99% of a country unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can that be? It is. We were down in uh, the Lord through a Ukrainian national uh, opened a door for us into the country of Laos. We have a Bible institute there. In fact, before I go into Ukraine in December, uh, I'll be, by God's grace, in, in, in Laos. And what a wonder it is to go there. And uh, every session we have around 50 to 70 men that come. And one of the sessions recently I asked the men, how many of you have spent time in prison for your faith? About 
40, 50% of their hands go up in the air. But yet here they are faithfully serving God, wanting to learn more about being faithful to God. In the country of Laos, they basically you have Buddhists and you have animists. You have somewhere around 126 different people groups. I, I forget the exact number, but it's 80 or so percent of those are considered unreached with the gospel. Now wait, I, I thought Christ 2,000 years ago did he not give a commandment? What was that commandment? To go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. It, when you read in Matthew's gospel, it's the, the word there for a nation is ethos. It's every ethnic group of people. Their estimates, what, 16,000 or so different, different ethnic groups of people in the world. But in Mark's gospel, it's to every creature. So God is wanting us to preach the gospel, not just to every geographical nation, but every ethnic group within every geographical nation, and then every person within every ethnic group of that geographical nation. Christ wants them to hear a gospel presentation. It's a command, not an option. It's not something for us to consider doing. I think it's a command for us to do. But do you know 2,000 years later, it's estimated that only 30% of the world has heard a clear gospel presentation. 30%. Now, I pastored back in the Kansas City area. And uh, Kansas City, you know, there would be a number of, of what we would consider gospel preaching churches, or at least you hope they're preaching the gospel in, in some of these churches that were there. Uh, but I, I'm just sharing with you, going out there, knocking doors there, I met people that went to quote-unquote evangelical churches that had never heard a clear gospel presentation. They were lost and apart from God and had never heard the truth of the gospel. Of, that, of, that, of the world today, 30% that have heard, the 70% that have not heard, we can break that into two categories. About 30% of that 70% are those that live in an area with the potential to hear just they've never heard. I have a good friend from Topeka, Kansas. Uh, he was wonderfully born again up in his 30s, but he told me, he said, Brother Derek, I did not hear the gospel until I was 36 years old. I mean, he went to public school. He played on ball teams. He lived in a neighborhood. Are you telling me that there was nobody in Topeka, Kansas, that he had some kind of interaction with that knew the gospel? He grew up in a Catholic home. That's all he knew. And he goes through the destruction of life and a marriage and all the rest of it. And praise God, he was gloriously saved when he finally got to hear the truth of the gospel. Apart from Christ, my friends, and the hope, there is no hope apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But of that other 70%, 30% being over here, those that have a potential but just never hear, 40% live in an area unreached with the gospel. The majority of that in that 1040 window. And I'm just wondering, we're 2,000 years into this thing. Christ is coming. I, I'm not, I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming. And it could be soon, right? Could be any time. Is he going to be satisfied? Have we accomplished? I don't know how you grade papers here at Ambassador, but I'm assuming you get a 30% on a test. What are you going to get on your paper? Is that a fail? See, out in California, they might debate this, all right? But, but here in North Carolina, we got this straight, right? That's a fail. Well, friends, we are failing. Coca-Cola's been around for how long? Coca-Cola's been around about 145 years. Do you know where I've gone in Tajikistan or Laos or Ukraine or into India? Do you know I can always find Coca-Cola? 
And most of the time, you can get Coke Zero. And if I'm really feeling a sugar high, I can most of the time find a Snickers bar if I want to in the world. But, but how can Coca-Cola, it's estimated, the emblem, the logo of Coca-Cola, recognized in 98% of the world, how did Coca-Cola in 145 years or so reach 98% of the world, but the church who's had the gospel of Jesus Christ for now more than 2,000 years has only reached 30% of the world? So my friends, we have a majority of our world today living without hope, and they are without God. Who's going to take them that message? Who's going to take the message? I mean, are we waiting for the Mormons? I mean, I lived the whole time there in Kansas City area when I pastored there, and we were trying to be aggressive and take the message out and and meet people where they are and where they live and share the hope of Christ. But you know, the whole time that we lived there in that area, not one other church knocked on my door. Not one other church or, or Christian in that area tried to give me a gospel track the whole time I lived there. How can that be? Right? How can there still be areas unreached with this truth? And there are people hungering for hope. Julie and I were missionaries in Lithuania. And when we were there, I remember one night we were out and we were knocking doors and we were inviting people to our church and we knocked on a door and a woman opened the door and she only cracked the door open. And it was completely pitch black. It was at night and it was pitch black behind her. And we handed her a John Romans, handed her an invitation to the church, handed her a gospel track and just said, hey, we are out with the, with the uh, Vilnius Bible Baptist Church. We just want to invite you to a service and, and to hear God's word. Let me ask you a question. Do you know when you die where your soul's going? Her name was Olga. She immediately said, I know where my soul's going. I'm going to hell. I said, Olga, why are you going to hell? She said, because I've sinned against God. Now listen, that's rare that you hear something like that, right? By the way, a Catholic, you would never hear anything like that most of the time. But she wasn't Catholic. She had attended an Orthodox church, had an Orthodox background, but she saw no hope. I shared with her that night. I said, listen, Jesus Christ died for you. He came into the world. He tasted death for you. He died for sinners. This is good news, Olga. He wants to save you and forgive you. This is the message of the Bible. She didn't make a decision that night. But a few few months or so later, she does make a decision. She did start coming to church. She received Christ. We, We celebrate in that. But I wanted to share with you what she shared with me right before we left. When we were returning back to America, our last service there as pastor at the church, she came up to me and she said, Pastor... You might not know this, but I want to tell you something. Do you remember that night you came and you knocked on my door? I said, yes, how can I ever forget that night? She says, well, there's something you don't know. I had purchased drugs and I was going to commit suicide that night. I was going to overdose. But you knocked on my door and I heard the gospel. I heard a hope. And later I came to Christ and I just want to thank you for coming by that night. And sharing the gospel. I'm telling you, there's a world of people out there that are waiting for someone to tell them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how can they hear of this hope if they don't hear the word of this truth, right? Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First thing, the gospel brings us hope. Number two, we see in the first part of verse number six, which is coming to you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth what? The gospel brings forth fruit. How can it bring forth fruit if it's not preached or proclaimed? 
But my friends, everywhere that God has allowed me to go, I've never seen just mass revivals like maybe Jonah saw in Nineveh. But I'm telling you, you see souls that are saved. The gospel brings forth fruit to the glory of Jesus Christ. We were back there in Lithuania again. I remember a young lady that came to our service. Her name was Joanna. First time she came to a service, she had bandages on her wrists. She had attempted suicide. Someone had invited her to our church, and she began coming to our church. She was the age of most of you young people in here today. When I would try to speak to Joanna, she had a blank look on her face. She, uh, she'd sometimes get up in the middle of the preaching, go to another room, and just weep. I remember going in and trying to speak to her after a service in one of those rooms. She's weeping, and it's just like you, you couldn't get through. She had this blank stare that looked through you. And I remember... One day when uh, thinking to myself, is it impossible for her to be saved? I mean, is she so emotionally scarred that she can never receive Christ? She can't compute it. She can't understand it. Then one day my secretary came, Marina, and said, Pastor, Joanna has asked to speak to you. And after the service we gathered, and this is all Joanna said to me. She said, I said, Joanna, Marina said you wanted to speak. What did you want to speak about? She said, I've believed. I said, Joanna, are you telling me that you've trusted in Christ? She said, I've believed. And I began watching her life and seeing God do a marvelous work of grace. She began singing. She began playing the piano for our Thursday night midweek service. She began singing in our choir. God did a complete transformation. What happened? She became fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You saw the picture of Lot. Something has changed in my heart. What happened of Lot? Fruit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These ladies that take the icons off their wall, they give them back. What happened? Fruit to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have another lady in our church. Her name is Tatiana. I wish I could tell you her story and more about her, but just a wonderful work. Many of those people you see coming to the church today are coming through her witness and invitation. What happened? Fruit to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why we go and why we take this message. Because we serve a God that tasted death for all men, who desires all men to know his truth and to know his being and to worship him and to know him and to live for him. But how can they know if they do not hear? There brings forth fruit. I was in the city of uh, Bangkok, and they had a service there in the morning and another service, and in between services they had a dinner. And before the second service, I was walking around greeting people. You don't shake hands there. It was on one of my trips to Laos, and I was bowing, you know, greeting. And I bowed before this little tiny woman. And she responds to me in English, and nobody there hardly spoke English at all. And I said, oh, you speak some English. And she said, yes. I, I, I said, well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm, it's good to be here today. She said, listen, I am not Thai. I'm Chinese. And, and she did. She looked different. You could see that she was Chinese. And, and, and she said, I, I, my family used to live in China, but we now live here in Bangkok. And then she said this, my great, great, great grandfather was led to Christ by a missionary. Now I'm standing there and I'm doing the math in my head. Okay, she looks like she's about 80-something years old and, and it's her great, 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 great. It brings me back to the late 1800s. And I said to her, I said, do you happen to know the name of that missionary that led your grandfather to Christ? She said, I do. I said, what was his name? She said, Hudson Taylor. And you think now of that six or nine or however many generations that has been 
Not only did it bear fruit originally when her great-great-grandfather got saved, but look how it's impacted generations later of a woman who's going to a Bible-preaching church who knows Christ, who's serving Christ, who's living for Christ. But again, I ask you the question, how can it bring forth fruit if it's never been planted, if they've never heard the message? So the gospel brings forth hope. The gospel brings forth fruit. Number three, verse number six, last part. He says, as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. The gospel brings the knowledge of grace. Look, you can take all religions in the world. I can simplify this for you. They all at their core teach the same thing. We're going to title them D.O. religions. You have to do. You have to accomplish, you have to merit, you have to earn. Whatever the best part of the next life is, you have to merit it or earn it by how you live your life. I mean, that fits Catholicism, that fits Orthodox teaching, that fits Mormonism, right? But that fits Buddhism, that fits Hinduism. All of them are over here. D.O. religions you've got to do. But the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not a D.O. It's a D-O-N-E, right? It's a done. Christ accomplished it on the cross of Calvary. His blood has purchased it. It is finished. All I must do is turn unto Him from my wrong thinking and from my sin and trust and call upon His name and receive the gift of His grace. The gospel brings the knowledge of grace. I was reading about Hudson Taylor, and he went into a church or into a, uh, a Buddhist uh, temple in China. He came up a river there on this, uh, and they, they comes up to the temple, and they invite him. They said, would you like to come in and meet our holy man? He said, okay, I want to meet your holy man. Let me come on in, and we'll meet him. He said he came up into the temple. They brought him up into a room. When he came into this room, it had been bricked, blocked off. In other words, the room was deeper than the wall that he was seeing. But it was a wall with no doors, with no windows, just a little hole through the wall like this. No way, though, to get in or out. But behind that wall, he could see the visage of a man. And they had taken this man, and when he was but a child, they had built this wall around him to separate him from the world, to keep him from sin, that he could be their holy man. Can you imagine? They fed him through that wall. Everything was done through that little hole in the wall, and that's where he lived. You say, well, that's ignorant. I mean, no wall can keep you from sin. And what is the very definition of ignorance? It's a lack of knowledge. What knowledge did they lack? The knowledge of grace. That it's not accomplished by what we do. It's accomplished by what he has done and receiving that gift by faith. I'm just telling you, we have a message. We have a gospel that brings forth hope. It brings forth fruit. And it brings forth, thirdly, as we just saw, the knowledge of grace. The sad truth is it's not being preached in the world today. Why is it not being preached in the world today? Why are there still so many areas unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'll just give you the bottom line of it, okay? Because we don't love Christ like we should. We're not willing to make the sacrifices that are required. We see it right now in Ukraine, men and women making sacrifices, risking their lives to bring the gospel of hope. I want to read to you a quote from Betty Stam, and I'll be done. She gave her life with her husband serving in China. 
She wrote this when she was the age of 18 before she went to China. And I want to challenge you with this. Can you pray the prayer that she prayed? Here's what she prayed. Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt and work out thy whole will in my life at any cost now and forever. Will you pray that prayer? Can you pray that from your heart to the Lord? Lord, I don't care where, I don't care what the cost will be. Just, Lord, use me for your purpose to bring the hope of the gospel to a world that is yet to hear this hope. Lord, use my life.